In the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has regarded the low estate of His handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent empty away. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His posterity forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the promise of Your Son. We pray now that You would stir in our hearts the Gospel message that You came for us to deliver us when we could not deliver ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't mind uh, telling you tonight that I have, uh, I am a, a decided Protestant, and I uh, have in my life been a little Mary-phobic, um, and that's not really because I've done a lot of research into a Roman Catholic doctrine about the Blessed Virgin, or, um, or because I ha- have really um, paid it that much attention. It's just that I've sort of heard anecdotes here and there uh, about Mary, and praying to Mary, and, and it sounded like worship, and and it just made me a little uncomfortable. And so I uh, have uh, oftentimes in my faith, I've sort of steered clear of Mary, uh, maybe sort of skimmed past Mary a little bit. I've overreacted. And uh, and uh, I would say that that's a little hard to do uh, in our gospel reading tonight, uh, to, to steer clear of Mary. Uh, and I, I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. It turns out that uh, you don't have to worship her to see that Mary stands for the gospel. Um, to understand where Mary was coming from uh, when she sang that beautiful song that we have come to call the uh, Magnificat, uh, where she makes that incredibly bold statement that her soul magnifies the Lord, 
in order to understand where she's coming from, we need to go back just a little bit and begin at that critical moment when the angel Gabriel uh, first appeared to her. There in uh, the dark, cool Nazareth night on the dirt floor of a sod house, the angel who stands in the very presence of God appeared to a teenage girl. Now, it's hard to imagine Gabriel making a subtle entrance. Uh, he was, you know, just you picture his angel dripping with uh, golden light, uh, gracious joy with a flurry of heavenly wings. Uh, the virgin's peaceful sleep is interrupted. And he came to her with a, uh, and with a voice that was ancient and righteous and strong and gentle. He spoke words that literally would change the course of human history. He said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And this young, rural, working class woman is understandably troubled. Nothing she has ever heard in synagogue would ever have suggested to her that she was particularly favored uh, by God. Uh, the scholar Phil Thrailkill said, uh, Mary was young in a culture that valued age, female in a culture where men ruled, poor in a rural economy with no children yet to give her status. She is among the powerless in her society. And yet, here is the angel of God standing in her parents' house, declaring to her that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was granting her His favor and His personal companionship. He said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. It's the last thing that she could have possibly expected. And she's troubled. She doesn't know what it means. Well, the angel continues with a declaration that, you, uh, that to you and me, knowing what we know now, uh, seems wonderful. But to Mary, then, it's difficult to imagine that uh, the angel's gracious words would have been anything to her other than terrifying. She would conceive miraculously. By the Holy Spirit, she would bear a son that she was to name Jesus, the very name that means Yahweh is salvation, that He would be the very promised one that she had learned about in grade school, the Son of the Most High God sitting on David's throne, ruling forever. And yet, in the midst of the profound favor and good news of which the angel spoke, what surely was not lost on young, statusless Mary was that she was going to have to tell her father and her fiancé and maybe the whole town that she was pregnant before she was married. And don't worry, it's not what you think. Two families, hers and Joseph's, stood to lose 
every shred of standing that they held in the community. God was putting her family at risk, risk of being shamed, putting her possibly at risk of being disowned. And yet what she also knew with certain conviction, what she had learned from her, the faith of her parents was that God's will will not be thwarted. And so with everything that she had expected about her future turned in an instant now completely upside down, with her heart and her head spinning, with fear and trembling, and yet with wonder at the words of the angel who was standing right in front of her, Mary responds with God-given faith, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. More than she wanted what she wanted, Mary wanted what God wanted. And, you know, it was just going to have to be up to Him to take care of the details. And so we pick up our Gospel passage this evening with Mary going to visit her aging and once barren cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the um, faithful, long-time wife of a Jewish temple priest, yet for years, for reasons uh, beyond her ability to comprehend, uh, she had been unable to conceive and bring honor uh, to her husband. So if anyone might be expected to look with bitter judgment upon a young, unmarried, pregnant girl, it would be someone in Elizabeth's position, uh, righteous and long barren. And yet, when Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, the baby in her womb leaps for joy and the Holy Spirit overcomes her and she prophesies words of healing grace over her young cousin. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You can, the word relief just doesn't even begin to touch what Mary must have felt as, as this wise and righteous woman celebrates the work of God in and through Mary. Words of blessing, words of assurance uh, from one who had uh, known for herself the unexpected and difficult and wondrous and otherwise impossible blessing of the Lord. So it's in this context, this context of blessing and assurance that the young and blessed uh, Virgin Mary uh, responds with these gracious words, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. Statusless Mary, favored by God, humble virgin, chosen to be the, to, to bear the Savior of the world. This is the Gospel foreshadowed. What does it mean that her soul magnifies the Lord? I can remember in science class uh, growing up, I used I remember using uh, magnifying glasses and telescopes, microscopes, that type of thing. Um, and we would study various things, uh, like we would take a, a little drop of pond water. Do you remember doing that? And you would put it in the slide and you would look at it uh, through the lens of the microscope. And, and you could see little things in the water that you couldn't otherwise see. Little amoebas, 
uh, little things swimming around, uh, details uh, that were there all along, but that you couldn't see without uh, some help. The, micro- the microscope didn't, it didn't alter the water. Uh, it didn't, didn't add amoebas or anything like that, but it, it, just, it just magnified them. It helped us to see important details that, that we weren't able to see before. And what Mary realizes is that her life is becoming a testimony to the faithfulness of God. Mary's not saying that she's magnifying God in the sense that she's somehow making God bigger, but that her soul gives testimony. Her soul magnifies the Lord. The Lord God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, But because of God's saving work in Mary, through Mary, we are able to see particular details that we weren't able to see before. Her soul is magnifying the Lord. And there's, there's one detail in particular that Mary highlights in her beautiful song one detail about the Lord's character that she wants us to take particular note of. You might think that Mary would jump up and down, yay, He chose me like a teenager. Or she might frump like a teenager, oh, He chose me. No. Mary understands her very low status in her culture. And she understands uh, that she's not yet much of a contributor uh, to her to, uh, to her community, much less to her God. And so she is able to recognize the incredible gulf that God has spanned in order to reach her. I mean, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the God of Moses that struck down Pharaoh and led his people out of Egypt. This is the God uh, who led David In battle, the God who gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. This is the God who gave Solomon wisdom and riches. The God of the great prophets, Isaiah and Ezekiel. The God whose robe fills the temple and the angel cries out, Holy, holy, holy. And she's just like this poor little kid. She's a young girl. He expected to marry a humble carpenter. This great and glorious God, He could have picked anybody. He, he could have picked anyone to carry a son, a princess, a queen, someone who could bear the Son of God into more suitable amenities. But He chose her. He chose a girl who could offer Him nothing but thanks. And Mary recognizes that God has truly given her the favor that the angel spoke of for a special and sacred thing to carry the Son of God. But what's what's important for us to remember, remember is that God didn't choose Mary because of how great she is, but because of how great He is. She says, He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call Me blessed. He who is mighty has done great things for Me. And holy is His name. See, her awareness of how 
she really has nothing to offer. The Lord creates this incredible humility before Him. And that humility gives birth to joy in Mary's soul. But she teaches us how the Lord has exalt has exalting um, how the Lord exalting her is is really simply a pattern of God's salvation. And she takes the focus off of herself, and she shows us that in using uh, someone of status uh, of no status for His great purpose, that God is simply doing what He always does. His mercy is for those who fear Him. He has shown strength with His arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. God's Gospel is that He has spanned the gulf. That He has entered into a hurting world. Into the pain and suffering of our lives. He has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that's the message of Christmas. That rather than demanding that we come to Him in perfection, that He has come to us in humility. And that's important for us to hear. Make the, turn the last corner towards the most commercialized day of the year, the season the ads on uh, TV would have us to believe uh, is all about hoarding and having. And we peel back the layers of lights and tinsel and holiday shimmer that uh, have come to symbolize Christmas that what we have, what we find in this story is that God reaches out to us uh, in our helplessness. That God reaches out uh, to those of us who have no favor before Him and grants favor. That God reaches out to those who are without power and status before Him and grants righteousness, perfection. This is the Gospel in embryo foreshadowed in Mary's life and her calling and her song. And just before the Gospel bursts into full bloom in the life and death and resurrection of her son Jesus. The child that Mary carried was the Savior of the world. God's reconciling gift to sinners and to sufferers like you and me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do not know what weighs on our hearts uh, this Christmas this Christmas Eve. We pray, God, that You would reach out to us and that our hearts would be open in the midst of our suffering, our hurting, in the midst of our pride and arrogance and materialism. Pray, Father, that our greatest gift in our hearts, the one who would sit on our throne, is the baby uh, in the manger, who surely cooed just like that. In Jesus' name, amen.